Well, what a blessing. That was good, wasn't it? All right, turn with me to Psalm 56. Psalm 56. I'm always amazed how the uh, songs often fit so well with the message that's coming. And uh, that really does fit well this morning with our message. I noticed as uh, Alvin was reading the uh, reading this morning that quite a lot of you were were, um, groaning in your spirit perhaps, acknowledging the words that were being read and uh, you felt it, didn't you? You felt that psalm and you felt with David as uh, as he said those words. It's a blessing to be able to, uh, to preach this morning to you the day or the, the first Sunday after we've called a new pastor. And I just want to tell a little bit of a story. Um, the message this morning is going to be on trust, trust. Just a word out of our, out of our psalm. And uh, what David learned when all the troubles of life were surrounding him was he learned to just trust And to say, along with that song, God is good. No matter what is happening, God is always good. No matter what is happening in our lives, God is good. And David said that. But uh, I want to go back, oh, heavens, 30-something years ago now. And uh, I I went to Gladstone, Faith Baptist Church in Gladstone, to um, candidate for the pastorship there. And uh, Rhonda and I flew up from uh, Melbourne. We were in Melbourne at the time. And uh, we flew up to Brisbane here. And you wouldn't believe who met me at the airport, but uh, uh, Floyd Rissa met us at the airport. I didn't know he was going to be there. We didn't know he was going to be there. And, and uh, he'd been asked by someone from Gladstone to, to help us and pick us up at the airport. Anyway, long story short, we went on and we went up to Gladstone. Oh, just as we landed there at, uh, at the airport and Floyd Rissa met us. I'd never met him before. And we made a comment about the warmth of Brisbane. And Floyd said, brother, he said, this is God's country. <laughs> I'd never felt such warmth, you know, as in climate warmth before, just into the evening and all day and yeah. Anyway, we, we rejoiced. It was good. I can't go back to Victoria now. <laughs> anyway, we're on the way to Gladstone. We got there the next day. We caught the bus up from here up to Gladstone and we, we arrived in Gladstone. And all the way I'm saying to Rhonda, I said, I don't want this job. You know, uh, Chris Hustler had put our name forward as a candidate to, for the pastor, uh, to be pastor. At, uh, and I didn't think I was pastor material. And, uh, and, and I said to Rhonda, I said, I'm just going to preach the book and throw it at him. And I'm sort of, I'm telling you, I'm giving you the inflection. I, I didn't want the job, all right? And I said, I'm just going to preach on sin and the blood and the book and, and, and I'm going to just tell it how it is and I hope they don't like me. <laughs> and, uh, and then I said afterwards, I said, well, I'm not going to go there unless it's 100% call. Would you believe it? It was 100% cool. (laughs) Anyway, the first message I preached there was trust. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart out of of, uh, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. 
And you know, I haven't preached a message on trust since. Don't know why, but uh, I haven't. And uh, anyway, just preparing for this, and I, I do tell a lie. I did preach it a couple of weeks ago at Ipswich. But uh, apart from that, I haven't preached on trust since. But uh, anyway, we preached there and we got to love the folks at Gladstone. It was the church where Brother Randy Pike was the first pastor. And I pastored there, was privileged to pastor there for seven years. And Rhonda and I enjoyed that time and appreciated that time. Loved the people there. Anyway, I say, say that to you, you know, some of you haven't been through the process of having to call a new pastor before in this church, have you? You know, you've been blessed, we've been blessed, 15 years of Pastor Lloyd with, you know, a solid leadership before that, Pastor Sheemish. But, you know, the process of calling a pastor is, can be a daunting thing, a daunting task, but we've been blessed here in this church that um, the Lord has, has given us a new pastor coming quite quickly but there will be a period a couple of months probably before he's able to get here and bring his family things have got to happen in in Sydney and in that time you and I've just got to remain faithful don't we we've just got to keep doing what the Lord wants us to do here and uh, and trust him trust him walk with him and trust him and uh, then eventually Pastor Hernan will come with his family and will be blessed with his ministry, but in the meantime, we have to keep occupying till he come, but ultimately till Jesus comes. All right, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll look at our subject this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that we can gather in this place this morning as your people, and Lord, we look to you as we've already been blessed with the the songs that we've sung and our time together and the Bible reading, we just thank you that we can look into your word now and we ask that you'd help us, Lord. Bless us, guide us, we pray. Speak to our hearts. Touch us where needed. Heal us where needed in our spirit. We thank you, Lord, as we reflect on this past week of how you've upheld Brother Paul, how you've ministered to him and gave the doctors great wisdom and, Lord, to be able to arrest the heart attack that he had. We thank you for that. Lord, it's your good hand upon us that brought that about. We thank you, Lord, as we reflect back too on those that have been before us, sisters come, those that have gone, those that are in heaven. We think of Sister Trish this morning and we just thank you for her memory. Lord, we just pray that you'd Help us now as we look at your word. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, trust, trust. Our our, uh, reading here, and I want to take you to the verse before Psalm 56. You'll see the word trust in the scriptures a lot, particularly in Psalms. And David, the writer of Psalms, here at this time he's probably being pursued by the Philistines. He'd been driven out of Israel by Saul or Saul was chasing him as, a, as the, uh, the current king. David had been uh, anointed as king but he wasn't placed as king yet in, in the land of Israel 
And uh, he was fleeing for his life. He was being pursued by Saul uh, wrongfully. And uh, he's probably down in Gath at this time when he wrote Psalm 56. But if you have a look at the, at the end of 55 as well, it speaks there in, uh, of, in verse 22, casting your burden upon the Lord. And, and David learnt to do that in the pursuit of all, in the, uh, in the midst of all the trials and troubles that, he, that came his way. And he says here in verse 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. And that's a good thing for all of us to do, to learn to do. Whatever your situation, cast your burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. But thou, O God, shalt bring them down into the pit of destruction Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I, here's David saying, I will trust in thee. He's sort of speak, he's speaking about his enemies. You know, he's speaking about the fact that he's compassed about and things are grim, things look grim. And you and I in our day-to-day, uh, uh, you know, just walk in life, sometimes things look grim, don't they? And also, if you drop drop down with me to Psalm 57 and verse 1, David goes on saying, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Again, he just affirms. There's at least three, three times in Psalm 56 that he says the word trust. I'll trust in God. I'll praise his word. I'll put my trust in him. Here in Psalm 57 and verse 1, He says, my soul trusteth in thee. You are good, he's saying. No matter what's happening around me, he said, you are good. And my soul trusts in you. My soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. Oh, what a picture that is. You know, you can picture, and and, uh, I used to raise chickens, I used to raise pigeons and and to see little birds nestling under the wings of their mother is a beautiful picture, and it's a beautiful picture for us as to how we can protect ourselves or be protected under the wings of God. It's hard to picture God with wings, but there's a picture there for us. He says, In the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Until these calamities of my life at this time be passed. They will pass, David says, but right now I'm in the midst of it and it doesn't look pretty. It doesn't look pretty. But he says, I've got my eyes on you. I'm under your wings, the shadow of your wings, and I'm safe. But right now, things are still look pretty grim, but I've put my trust in thee. Look back in verse 3 of Psalm 56. David acknowledges his afraidness at times, his fear. He says, what time I am afraid. There's times when we're afraid, isn't there? There's no point denying it. There's times when fears beset us. There's times where, uh, you know, fears are just compassing us. But he says, look, what time I'm afraid. I will trust in thee. I will. I will. It's a choice we have to make. I will, he says. I will trust in thee. He goes on and he, and he sort of gains confidence 
And in verse 4, he says, In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh shall do unto me. He just acknowledged before he was afraid. There's times to be, that he is afraid. But he says then, he says, I will not be afraid. You know, you think, oh, that's an oxymoron. Well, no, not really. He's just gaining in confidence. He's growing in confidence in the Lord. And, and he's acknowledging there's times where people do some awful things to me. But I've learned that I'll, I'll not fear that. I'll not fear that. I'll trust in the Lord. I'll trust him. All right, we've established the fact and there's heaps of verses. There's heaps of verses. There's a verse in, uh, I was, I was, Rhonda was given a gift just recently by uh, Jewel and Julie. And uh, she, she was given a gift of some money and she went to the bookshop to spend it and she bought three cups, three um, ceramic, I don't know whether they were ceramic, but anyway, they were beautiful cups and they had verses on the side of them and one had the word trust, one had the word hope, I think it was, and the other one had the words be still, be still on them. And I said, I'll take that one, that one will be mine. And it was the one trust, trust. And the verse on the side of it was this, and it's Psalm 91, verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, in whom I trust. What a beautiful picture that is. He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, trust. You know, trust and faith go hand in hand, don't they? You know, we put our faith in the Lord, we put our trust in the Lord, very, very similar, go hand in hand, go strong together. All right, we've established the fact and you could find, you'll find many verses and we'll probably look at a couple more in Psalms where David speaks about trusting the Lord. But I'm actually going to go now to the, to the antithesis of trusting in the Lord and look at some other things that we often trust in as mankind that are not the Lord, you know, the opposite. Like, you know, to, to look at the positive sometimes is good to look at the opposite, to look at the other side. Well, instead of trusting in the Lord, what, what other things do I trust in or have I trusted in? And learn to not trust those things but to trust the Lord. I found at least 11 and you'll find more, but at least 11 things, and we may not get through them all this morning, but 11 things in Scripture that man trusts in instead of the Lord at times. One of them, come with me to Psalm 62. We're nearly there. We're just over a couple of verses, a couple of pages. Psalm 62 and verse 10. Verse 10. Psalm 62 and verse 10. Again, this is David speaking. David is such a good character for us to, uh, to, to study, but to study also what he said, what he said. And here he says, trust not in oppression. Isn't that fascinating? Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. How on earth do we trust in oppression? What is that? Well, when you sort of think about it, you ponder upon it. Oppression, oppression comes in many forms, doesn't it? Oppression can be mental, can be emotional, can be physical, 
can be financial. You know, the bully in the schoolyard is an oppressor. And perhaps he's, you know, that's mental, emotional, could be physical, probably not financial. In our, uh, in our uh, uh, context, it's financial. It's talking about financial oppression. Flick with me to, uh, to uh, Proverbs 22, Psalms, Proverbs 22. I just want to set a little bit of a, a stage for you as to what this means here. Any one of us, and I make this statement, any one of us can be an oppressor at some time or another in our lives. You think, how does that be? How could I be an oppressor? Well, it could be you oppress your dog at home. It could be you oppress your siblings at home. I was watching two little boys the other day playing. One of them had a, uh, a little scooter and he's scooting around his grandmother's table, you know, round and round on his little scooter. Well, his older brother came out, out and saw him, you know, scooting around the table and he says, I want that, and went and grabbed it. Well, he was an oppressor, wasn't he? He was oppressing his little brother. And you and I, as I said, any time in our life, at stages in our lives, you and I can be an oppressor in one form or another. And our scriptures sort of tell us there, back in Psalm 62, that obviously we can trust in oppression, trust in our ability to be a bully, perhaps, trust in our ability to reap money out of others that is not rightfully ours. That's actually robbery, isn't it? Verse goes on saying, you know, be not vain or become not vain in robbery. We get good at it at times, don't we? Pinching things from others, that's oppression. We get good at it and sometimes we, under the guise of, oh, it's just good business. Actually, it's oppression. I've got to trust my ability to pinch off of others, you know. That's what it's talking about. Trust in oppression rather than trusting in the Lord for his provision. My ability to oppress others. Whew, that's a bit hairy, I don't know if I like that. So, uh, Proverbs 22, Proverbs 22 and verse 16. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches and he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. Whoa. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches. So that's what it's talking about. That's the, that's the context of our verse back in Psalm 62, is trusting in oppression to increase one's riches. Come with me to Psalm, oh not Psalms, Proverbs 20, 28. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28 and verse 16. Proverbs 28 and verse 16. The prince that wanteth understanding is also a great oppressor, but he that hateth covetousness shall prolong his days. The prince that wanteth, wanteth is like lacketh. The prince that lacks understanding. 
doesn't have understanding, the prince that is ignorant, prince that isn't wise, basically. So you, you and I can put ourselves in there. Might be just, might be a, uh, an employer, might be a parent that lacks understanding. But, you know, in the context, the prince is a ruler. We could be a princess and be a ruler, can't we? So anyone with a ruling, you know, a, a position of rulership or, you know, hierarchy. But if we have lack understanding, we want understanding, we don't have it. Uh, we become a great oppressor because covetousness will lead us to that, won't it? Like the little boy with the scooter. You've got it. Well, I want it. I'll take it off you. Oppressor. Oppression. Oppression. Trust in oppression? Wow, that's weird. Well, we shouldn't trust in oppression. Simple as that. We should trust in the Lord. Trust not in oppression. Become not vain in robbery. Psalm 62 verse 10. If riches increase. Oh, that verse has helped me a lot. I've, I've told you the story uh, probably here before, but I can say it again. Back when I was a pastor in uh, Gladstone, uh, Rhonda and I were able to buy and sell a few houses at the time and we slowly built up our equity. Uh, when I say slowly, it was little by little, just two or 3,000 a house. It wasn't any big deal. But uh, we used to tithe it, tithe whatever we made and, and uh, give it to the Lord and, and it helped us in the ministry there. You know, at one stage we, we gave 5000 to the church, I think it was, and, and for them to, to, to buy a block of land, which they currently have their, their church building on. Anyway, I, I made the mistake, but it wasn't really a mistake. But I said one day to the Lord, I said, if this money is a problem at all, uh, just take it away from us. Lo and behold, he took it away. And I said, that wasn't what I wanted, Lord, you know. I, there was no problem, wasn't there? <laughs> I didn't have a problem with money. And he said, well, actually you did. You were beginning to trust it too much. And it took me years to get over it. My good wife, I tell you what, a good wife is a blessing from the Lord. Rhonda came to me and she said, Robin, just get over it. It's just money. And she was a great help to me. Really was a great blessing to me and helped me. But I tell you what, I come back to that verse often and the phrase there, if riches increase, God never promises us to make us rich. He promises to look after us, to care for us. He'll give us our needs, but he never promises us in the Bible to make us rich, despite all the, the, uh, the prosperity gospel preachers in the world today. Don't listen to them. They're false, okay? If riches increase, the Bible says, God does not promise us to become rich. He does not say that if you become rich, you'll be godly. It's not there anywhere in the Bible, okay? If you become more godly, I'll make you rich. It's not there. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. You're only got to go to, to uh, 
Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, and realised that there were some of the people of faith listed there that were pursued for their lives, all their life. They lived in sheepskins and goatskins, it says. Some were sawn asunder for their faith. Brethren, they trusted in the Lord. The Lord got them through. The Lord took them to heaven. They're in heaven now. He didn't give them riches on this earth. They had a terrible life. They were pursued like David. David eventually did become rich, yes. But not everybody becomes rich. Physically, I'm saying in this world, financially in this world. Again, he says, trust not in oppression. Become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. In Isaiah 30, and we won't go there, but Isaiah 30, if you want to jot it down, verse 12, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before the Lord Jesus was born, roughly, spoke to the children of Israel there and said to them, you are trusting in oppression. He said, stop it. You're trusting in oppression. Isaiah 30, verse 12. Okay, some trust in oppression. Others trust. Come with me to Psalm 20. Psalm 20. Psalm 20. Psalm 20 and verse 7. Psalm 20 and verse 7. If you've got a pen and paper, I'd encourage you to jot some uh, references down and look at them later and, and meditate upon them. But Psalm 20, I'll give you a few references and I won't necessarily go to them. But here, Psalm 20 and verse 7, David speaks here and he says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Isn't that good? He says, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Jot this one down if you like, Isaiah 31 and verse 7. And there uh, Isaiah pronounces a woe to them that go down to Egypt and trust in the chariots and the horses of Egypt. He said, you're going down there to trust in the protection of Egypt because they've got a great army. They've got chariots, they've got horses and you think that you're going to be protected there but you've forgotten to pray to the Lord your God. He said, you've forgotten your trust in the Lord. He said, you're trusting in chariots and horses. So, uh, you know, you, you and I would say, well, <laughs> Brother Robin, we don't have chariots and we don't have horses in our army. We'd be in a big mess if we did, Right? Well, let's transfer it to today's thinking and you'd think, well, chariots, machines, right? Machines. Horses. Well, engines. How about engines? Because we still talk about engines in horsepower, don't we? How they measure horsepower into engines, I've got no idea, you know. Uh, but I can remember growing up and... Uh, we had a couple of tractors. Never had horses on our farm. My dad was never a horseman and... And uh, we never had horses and I've never been a fan of horses. But, but I grew up with tractors and tractors were spoken of in horsepower. Horsepower. We had a little red Ferguson, was 35 horsepower tractor. We had a bigger one, was a 65 horsepower tractor and to me they were big, you know. 
And uh, I can remember using the 35 horsepower power, uh, Ferguson and, and I'd be assigned tasks with it. And I can remember going around and around the paddock at times with my older brother and he'd be driving the bigger one and I'd be driving the small one and we'd be pulling a chain between the two tractors, chaining the stumps together because prior to that we'd been on one of the tractors and often it was me on the 35 with a ripper on the back and the ripper on the back on the three-point linkage of a tractor was like a, a tine that was on the back of the tractor with three-point three point linkage and you'd drop that ripper down behind the stumps and rip them out of the ground. Well, you'd rip the stumps, they were Mallee stumps mainly on our property that I grew up on, Mallee stumps and Horrible, gnarly, twisted things they are. But uh, you could, you, you, the stump in the ground might only sort of show up as a, as a little thing like this, just sort of above the ground level, but you'd hook that ripper under them and pull them out. Well, sometimes they didn't want to come, those stumps. And uh, you'd, you'd put that three-point linkage down under the stump and then you'd give it a bit of, a, a bit of you know, revs on the tractor and and the front of the tractor would lift up off the ground. I had those 35 horses lifting up, you know. 35 horses rearing at my command. And uh, boy, you, you could get some power onto that stump. When you got the front of that tractor lifting up off the ground and then all of a sudden the stump would give away and crash. Down the front of the tractor had come down on the ground. 35 horses rearing and falling, you know. But I tell you what, we ripped out oh, hundreds of stumps, thousands of stumps out of the ground. And then we'd go around, as I said, with the two tractors and we'd row them up into, into rows, knock the dirt off them with this big chain set up and uh, then push them up into heaps and burn them. That was my growing up years. I was king of the world on that 35 horsepower tractor. It was a big deal when I was given permission to drive the 65 horsepower tractor, you know. Brethren, some of us trust in those horsepowers. Some of you boast about the horsepowers in, under the bonnet of your car, don't you? Oh, brother, yours is not big enough. You need whatever under your bonnet. Well, you've only got few horsepowers under yours kind of what we do don't we the Lord or David says some trust in chariots some trust in horses but we will remember the Lord our God when we shifted out to Rockwell which was a station that I managed out at Cunnamulla the owner of the property John Buster had been on uh, you know cotton farming country well they had big horses on their cotton growing country they had two 300 horsepower tractors to uh, work the country for their cotton he bought this sheep station and he asked me to manage it and he said I'll bring a little tractor out for you and I thought oh that'll be good that'll be handy well guess what he came out with just a little tractor it was a hundred horsepower case to me it was just what am I going to do with that on a sheep station? Well, I learnt to put it to good use. I learnt to put it to good use. It was good, but it was over the top. Brethren, it was over the top. 
David says, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember the Lord our God. Brethren, don't trust in your horses or your chariots. Don't trust in your machines or whatever you've got at home. They're just things that God has given us. If you trust in them, and you know, you might think of the horsepower that our country has as, as uh, you know, weaponry to defend our country. Brethren, they are nothing if the Lord doesn't defend us. Don't trust in the firepower of America either. Okay, it's good to have good friends. But brethren, if the Lord doesn't protect us, America can't protect us either. Okay? Don't trust in chariots and horses. No matter how big they are. No matter how powerful they are. But remember the Lord, our God. All right, the next one. Some trust in wealth. Psalm 49. Psalm 49. And I'm probably going to pull up here after this one because we're going to have the Lord's Supper this morning. So uh, we might have a few that we can look at on another day. Because I said, as I said, I found at least 11 different references to things that we trust in instead of trusting in the Lord. Some trust in wealth. Look in verse 6 of Psalm 49. Psalm 49 and verse 6. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. Some people are obscenely rich, aren't they? But brethren, it's nothing if they don't have the Lord. It really is nothing if they don't have the Lord. None of them, verse 7 says, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. Your riches count to nothing before God. You can't redeem your brother. Some people try to do that, don't they? Try to pay for their family to get out of so-called purgatory. There is no such place, brethren. You can't give a pile of money to any church or any organisation that purports to be a godly organisation for them to pay for your brother or your sister or your mother or your father's salvation. It's not there. This verse tells us very clearly, your wealth means nothing to God. Your salvation means everything. Your salvation from your sin means everything to God. And he died to pay that price. But you cannot give, no matter what you give, you cannot give out of your bank balance any amount that will please God, apart from the fact of laying it up in heaven, if you give it to him with the right attitude and lay treasure up in heaven. God will bless you for that. But don't give it thinking that you can redeem yourself or redeem somebody else or, or do anything that, that adds to your salvation. That's rubbish, absolute rubbish. But there are those that trust in their wealth. The, the, the verse tells us that, doesn't it? They that trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches. They can't do anything with it. They can't do anything with it that will please God. You can't by any means redeem your brother nor give to God a ransom for him for the redemption of their soul is precious. It took the blood of Jesus to pay the price for our souls. 
to save our souls from sin. Let's go to uh, another verse. Have a look at another verse in regards to this. 52, Psalm 52 and verse 7. Psalm 52, verse 7. Psalm 52, verse 7. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches. So there David again speaks about somebody that uh, trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But look at the contrast in verse 8. But I, he says, but I, David, am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Oh, brethren, that's where we've got to come to. Trust in the mercy of God. Trust in him. Just come back to him and trust him. Rest in him. Be stayed up in him. Know our protection under his wings. You know that picture of, the, of, the, of a hen with her chickens. What a great picture that is. But I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Brethren, let's not put our trust in wealth. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. One more verse of riches to do with riches, and then we'll just about quit. Maybe we'll have one more verse after that. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. I'm going to do a Pastor Lloyd. Just one more. Just one more. <laughs> just one more. Where was I? I've lost it already. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Can't even find it myself. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. All right, he that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. What a blessing! All right, reminds me of the story of the of the fella that was trusting in his riches. And, uh, but it came the time for him to die. His riches didn't fix his sickness. And on his deathbed, he called his wife and he said, he said, uh, love, would you please promise me something before I die? And she said, yeah, what is it? Would you please promise me that when I die, you'll put all my money with me in my coffin? <laughs> she puzzled about it for a bit. What do you want me to do? He said, please, when I die, would you put all my money with me in my coffin? And she thought about it again and she said, yeah, sure, sure, I'll do that. And when it came the time for him to die and he was placed in his coffin, she wrote out a check <laughs> for all that he was worth, popped it in the coffin and said, whenever you're ready, sweetheart, you just cash it in. One last verse, one last verse. Psalm 32, Psalm 32, and I'll be finished. Psalm 32. Oh, brethren, let's not trust in oppression. Let's not trust in chariots or horses. Let's not trust in our wealth, but let's trust in the Lord God. Psalm 32 and verse 10. I love this verse. This is a precious verse. Again, this is David speaking. 
He says, many sorrows, Psalm 32, verse 10, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Isn't that a great verse to finish off with? Mercy, what a, what, a, what a promise that is. He that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Brethren, I don't know about you, but I need that. You and I both need that, don't we? We need the mercy of God to compass us about, to, like a ring, you know, like a protecting shield. He promises that. He that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass about. David said in another psalm, and I don't just know the reference offhand, but he said, from a youth I have trusted him. From a youth, from my youth I've trusted thee. And David knew what it was for mercy to compass him about. He knew what it was for the Lord to protect him. He knew what it was to be under the shadow of God's wings. Oh, brethren, we can know the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just rejoice in your mercy. We rejoice in your goodness to us and we just want to commit ourselves to you afresh. Keep us, Lord, in your word. David spoke about trusting in you. He spoke about trusting in your word. He spoke about resting in you. He spoke about being compassed about by your mercy. And Lord, we need that today. We thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.